Well, God is good. God is good. He's doing good work all throughout this place today. And uh, he's going to keep on doing good work. We're coming into our second sermon of the book of Acts. And God's given me a fresh perspective on this book that is challenging to me as a pastor, but to us as a church. And it's a real look at real life and what God is calling the church to be. As a bunch of self-selected people in and church leaders, we're reading a book called Canoeing the Mountains. And we're having discussion about how the church statistically in Canada is struggling. It's hard to fill sanctuaries. It's hard to see people's lives dedicated to Jesus. And as I read the book of Acts after reading this book and going through it and praying and reading the book of Acts and then looking at this book and these things come together in my mind, the the reality of what church has put forward in North America at times is anemic. The theology is sometimes half-baked, sometimes not baked at all. Sometimes it's, it's just about feeling good. And I read the book of Acts, and I got actually uncomfortable. I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal pastor. We love being filled with the Holy Spirit. The big deal, filled with the Holy Spirit, everybody. Do you speak in tongues? Be healed. We're Pentecostal. But Pentecostalism has become distinctly different in some ways from the book of Acts. I hope none of my higher-ups are watching this. It's fine, actually. I've heard it from them. In the book of Acts, the book itself makes us uncomfortable. If you've not read the book of Acts recently, read the book of Acts and let it make you uncomfortable. Let it make you uncomfortable. Nothing about what God did in the book of Acts was comfortable. Everything took courage and boldness and face resistance. So our text today is going to bring us to Stephen. He's being accused. And we heard a man say things against, we heard this man say things against Moses in the temple. When he was put on trial on the spot, Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, look, 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 he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's about to speak in tongues. No, no, he's not. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts to teach them about their history. Well, that's not exciting. He starts to teach them about the history of Abraham, of Joseph, of Moses, and he starts telling them things that are uncomfortable. Wow. Okay. All right. So this is what's happening. So today we're going to talk about being uncomfortable as you're being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go through what happened to Stephen. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you are a God that is true, that is faithful, that has been sure for generation after generation, and you build all your promises on that. 
And so, Jesus, I I pray that we will be a people that can learn to trust you, as we just shared testimonies about, that learning to trust. God, that we've had experiences where we trust you. God, I pray that we would be a people that can trust you, but know exactly where you're going to lead us. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts as a congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. You can join with us on Slack, or you can uh, comment on the tablet at promisechurch.community, and I'll get that as well. Um, And so they will be interacting in the service, and somebody's already started us off, but saying, um, we need more flags in our church if we're going to be proud Pentecostalism. So more flags during singing, and then we can be true Pentecostals. Um, So... Let's, uh, let's get into it. So Stephen tells about the, the history, Abraham and, and Moses and Joseph, and he goes through, and, and our text is found in Acts 7. And he, and, he, and he goes on and he says, you did not keep the laws that you received by the angels. You didn't even keep them. And he tells them that their fathers killed the prophets. Okay, again, PR guy's going nuts over here. You can't say that. And how they killed Jesus and how their stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what what Stephen's saying. This is far beyond the societal rules of proper conduct. This is not what you do. Even Stephen knows that, that he knows that this is not the approach. This is not the way that you're supposed to win converts. He knows that. He's just like putting his finger right on the thing that God is like, that is exactly what needs to change. He's just like going right there, crystal clear, you can see it. And get the reaction, here it is in Acts 7, 54 to 60. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. Good job, Stephen, you did a great job as an evangelist. Nope, you failed, right? They were enraged And they ground their teeth at him, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw a vision. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, because he's he's blowing it now, right? And he said, behold, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Son of Man is 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 a label that was put on Jesus. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God which is a claim of being vindicated. And they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city, and then they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. And as they were stoning him, Stephen called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. God's leading oftentimes makes us uncomfortable. We would prefer if God's leading made us comfortable. I would prefer if this sermon was more comfortable. We need to make our expectations around what the Holy Spirit is doing. We need to make it right. Charismatic revival happened in 1970 through 1980. 
uh, and then pushed on all the way through. And, and what happened was in the charismatic revival, there was a piece of, of the Holy Spirit, and it's actually been, been more specifically spoken about coming from uh, specific authors like John Arnott, um, who came up from the Toronto Blessing, and now he's in Bethel. Specific authors saying that the purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit is to make you feel just this rush of love. Here it is. And the Holy Spirit is a comforter. There is no getting around the fact the Holy Spirit is the comforter and brings peace and joy and hope in my life. Absolutely. But when all that the filling of the Holy Spirit is about is about that, that tingly feeling, or maybe I got gold fillings, or maybe I would laughed a lot in church, or maybe I had a great experience for me. When, when the Holy Spirit is reduced to that, the church falls apart because we can't sustain our life on that. We need to get our expectations right about the Holy Spirit. Jesus changed, last week we talked about Jesus changing the expectation of the disciples. Remember the disciples were saying, is it now that you're going to bring about the kingdom, the promise, this, this perfect world? Is it now that you're going to restore Israel? And Jesus changed his disciples. He said, oh, no, 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 it's not for you to know the time, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I've always wanted to say it like that. That's very Pentecostal, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for what? It's definitely not power to feel comfortable. It's something that's uncomfortable. Somebody wrote, it's, it, it's an understatement to say they were uncomfortable or upset with Stephen. See, the, the mission that, that God replaced, that Jesus replaced in the disciples' heart said, said, no, 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 it's not yet, but you're going to receive power to do something. You have a mission. Move forward on it, and you're going to be empowered. The, the, it is not easy. It is not cheap. And it may cost you your actual life. Look at this. Jesus already warned the disciples that the cup they were going to drink was not going to be easy. Mark chapter 10, 39 says, The cup that I drink, you will drink. With the baptism which I am baptized with, you will be baptized. Which means in his baptism, Jesus had the power to do all the things that he did. But the cup that he was drinking that he was referring to was the fact that he was going to die for this. The cup that I drink you will also drink. You're going to die for this. I didn't sign up for this. We have a little cat at home. And uh, when Aaliyah was like one years old, she was crying in the backseat of a car, and we had this little stuffed cat. And uh, it's called Penny. And, and Val was in the back of the car trying to console Aaliyah because I'm trying to drive and kids screaming in your ear when you're driving is enough to make you drive into something else. You know that, right? And so, and so Val grabs his little cat and starts looking at Aaliyah. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. And we were going on a vacation. I didn't sign up for this. And uh, so I didn't sign up for this. Penny cat has come on every single vacation. <laughs> Everyone that we've ever been on Penny comes on this, and we always bring Penny out. I didn't sign up for this. And sometimes us as, Christian, as Christians, 
When we look at, you will drink the cup that I drank, we say, I didn't sign up for this. And the church has been doing that for too long. Give your life for this. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the same spirit that I have, but the outcome of your life will be the same outcome as my life. So being filled with the spirit is a life of sacrifice, not a life of comfort. If we're genuinely going to be a church that impacts this town, if we're genuinely going to step in, step with God, walk in the Spirit, and, and continue to do the things that God has called us out to do, I have ADD. Then we are going to have to put aside our comfort and recognize that the life of being filled with the Spirit is actually about sacrifice. You will drink the same cup. The reality is Stephen died. The next reality is God was okay with that. He didn't stop it. So here's the thing. If you are filled with the spirit of the living God, you will face resistance and persecution. You're going to face it. Someone wrote on, on Slack, if you look back on your life, you will find that the most, most of the good things start with uncomfortable. So true. See, persecution is real because Jesus stands as a corrective to every human system that we create to try to peg him down, including Promise Church. Jesus stands as a corrective, and this sermon is actually a corrective for us to say, no, the Holy Spirit is here. He wants to fill you with power for mission, not so that we can keep on being comfortable. So, persecution's coming. Here's the first slack question for you. Have you ever been ridiculed by Christians for doing the right thing? Have you ever been ridiculed Tell me, tell me where it was, just a little bit in slack. Tell me, tell me about it. Have you been ridiculed by a Christian for doing the right thing? Has that happened to you? Because in our text, that's exactly what's going on here. Well, actually, we'll go a little bit further. Watch this. We saw that Saul was condoning this, right? So Acts 9, we hear a little bit more about Saul, Acts 9, 1 and 2. But Saul's still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Persecution comes from other people trying to please God as well. Ooh, that's interesting. Persecution comes from other people who are trying to please God. We've got Saul trying to please God. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus. Sometimes we demonize Saul and demonize the high priest, but no, no, no. Christians at that time are still thinking that they're good Jews. They're just looking to Jesus as Messiah. And so, so they're all trying to be in the same banner. And, if you, and so, so Saul's saying, so if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. See, Saul, Saul's not dumb. He's trained and he's passionate about God. He is passionate about following God. He's not an idiot. He knows that the Messiah is supposed to be like that. And Saul knows that there are going to be false claims to Messiah. Persecution can come from those people trying to please God. When we become perpetrators of persecution, we could, we could do this. We could become perpetrators of persecution against the work of God. And here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. 
I don't like the way that Christian's doing that. I don't think it's the right way of doing it. I think they're totally wrong. And we come at them with our good intention of we want it to be right, but then we, we undermine the mission that God's put on them and we, and we speak out against them. Ooh, I've seen that happen. Persecution comes from Christians. So, so uh, a guy named Lecrae. <laughs> How many people in this room actually know who Lecrae is? Wow, more of you than I thought. So Lecrae is a Christian hip-hop artist, um, really, really solid Christian lyrics. And uh, he was out there. He's just preaching. He's got a song that, that I really love called Don't Waste Your Life. I'm not a, I don't represent the hip-hop culture at all, but I love to listen to it sometimes, right? But, but he's got this song, Don't Waste Your Life, just getting right to the point. Just getting right to the point. You give your whole life to Jesus. And I'm like, oh, we got an artist out there just doing it. And all of a sudden, about three to four years ago, Lecrae started disappearing from the mainstream of Christianity. What's going on? Why is he disappearing? Well, he wrote a book called uh, Renewed. Thank you. Thank you. I got that. Um, so he wrote a book called Renewed. And, and in that book, the book is subtitled um, How I Lost My Religion But Gained My Faith. I believe it's chapter 8 of the book says church hurt is the worst type of hurt. Church hurt is the worst type of hurt. So if you ever felt ridiculed by Christians for doing the right thing, yes, when we went into ministry, our neighbors thought that we're crazy, but many Christians had really good advice about me getting a real job. What? Right? Fellow youths were so convinced that other denominational practices would lead to hell or death, and I was always criticized for sitting on the fence on these debates, saying that those issues don't matter as much. Criticized. Facing the uncomfortable and the horrible. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And God gives us the grace and strength to get wisdom and wisdom to get through it. So, so Jesus faces that uncomfortable and we face that uncomfortable. I used to carry a Bible around. My Bible was big enough to choke a mule. And I was in high school. And so my Bible never left my hand. It never left my desk. It was always with me. I read it once in a while. <laughs> it was a token, a, an anchor, actually. The thing actually weighed 4.6 pounds. And so I'm carrying my Bible around. Non-Christians respected me, Christians mocked me. Holy Spirit's going to fill you so you have power. See, persecution also comes from those who are against God because people want the freedom to follow what, what they want to create, and they want to create systems that reject Christianity because the premise of Christianity is actually this. The core of Christianity is three words. Jesus is Lord. That's it. There's your message. Jesus is Lord. That means he is the ruler over humanity. He is God of all gods, creator of the universe. He is the one who, who demands allegiance. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. The command was to love God. It's fidelity to the greater. 
too much, we've, we've, we've lessened God to become just a, an equal with us. Fidelity to the greater. You will love God. He is greater than you. He knows better than you. You will follow him. Cool. Not comfortable. Okay, let's move on. So the book of Acts makes it clear Christianity is not supposed to be the easiest life. Much of Christianity today has been bent to the pressures of society too far. So sometimes persecution happens. This is from Slack. Sometimes persecution happens because your right thing makes them feel bad that they're not doing it. So they try to tell you it's not important to do that thing, mostly so that they don't have to examine themselves. Oh, truth? Right? Ten years ago as a pastor, the biggest question that I would get is, how do I hear from God? How do I hear from God? This past year, the, the, one of the biggest questions that I have from people who were church attenders is, I don't even understand how faith is relevant to my real life. The church looks too much like the world. It bent to the expectations of the world. But the church has a mission to foreshadow what it looks like when God makes everything right. When he lives with us. We need to be showing people this is what it looks like when God is involved. There is health and there is healing. There is hope. There is community. There is love. There is peace. There is kindness. There is gentleness. There is self-control. Against these things, there's no law because God is doing this work in us and we hold it for a moment and say, that's what Jesus does and then our evil comes in and we, and we screw it up and then we, oh, no, 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 that was not what Jesus does, but this is what Jesus does and so we foreshadow we foreshadow it is the most important word in this church beside Jesus. We foreshadow the cost is your life. Every resource we have. Every resource we have. Is anybody else feeling uncomfortable or is it actually hot in here? Like, oh, the call of Christ is way bigger than feeling good. Jesus stands as a corrective to every human system. And for us, it's a corrective against comfort. Jesus didn't die so that you could be comfortable or happy or any of our other cultural values that we gainfully pursue. Jesus doesn't value what our, val what our culture values. Is anybody with me still? Are you with me? He doesn't value what our culture values. The Bible calls these values fleeting. So in the face of death, let's get back to our text, in the face of death, what did Stephen, Stephen see that gave him the boldness to speak? Behold, I see heavens opened up. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. His vision was of the fulfillment of God's promises. Jesus in his rightful place as Lord over all creation. 
He put his vision to the future to see that indeed Jesus is set up as Lord over all creation, Lord over everything, and this is the mission that Stephen sees, and he goes, I'm all in. Literally, I am all in. There's nothing held back. Can we see a vision that's so compelling that we're not going to be afraid of what people say, but that we are going to push forward because of this compelling vision of Jesus and what he's going to do. Can we see a vision so compelling that nothing will stand in the way? Not our little thoughts about, oh, what, what type of car am I going to drive? Am I going to get the, the $40,000 car or the $45,000 car? The decisions that we make about our lives are going to be about the fulfillment of God's promises and we're going to throw all in and say, absolutely, this is where I'm going. And I know that so many in our church have, but guys, there's still more because here's Stephen in the face of death. Oh, Pastor Rob, you're not telling me that I need to like actually die. There's nothing nice or comfortable in Stephen's message to the people. So if you're given an audience, think about this. We had Carafest, right? They had this beautiful stage. They had church set up. Oh, my gosh, I'd love to do that. They had church set up, and you're given the microphone. In what way do you portray the grace and the love of God for the people considering the plight that our culture faces. Honestly, slack question, I want to hear from you. If you were given an audience, what would you tell people about God? Would you do what Stephen did? Would, would we do it? Or would we get up there and say, I want to tell you about like this God that I believe in? who's nice, kind of likes me. God, fill us with your spirit, not so that I can feel good, but so that the words I speak have substance. We need the Holy Spirit. I promise, church, our foreshadowing shows two realities. You can live your life with God. You can live your life with God. I don't care the crap that you've experienced. You can live your life with God. And you must represent the kingdom of God here in Bradford and surrounding areas. It's got to be in contrast to the world. People have a choice. Follow the lordship of Jesus or not. But, guys, they need to be able to see it. When I spoke to people at Carrot Fest telling me they don't even know anything about Jesus or anything about church, and the most relevant question they could ask me literally was, is church like it is in the movies? People, we had a, we had a, a couple of people, a couple of, a mom and a daughter walk into church this morning at 10 o'clock, terrified actually terrified. Sorry, it was 10.30. And they were so scared of coming into church, and they came up and they sat in the balcony, and they were scared, literally scared. 
because they were in a church. They'd never been in a church before, and they didn't know what to expect, and so I, I tried to talk with them or whatever, and they were scared. And I'm like, oh, how far has culture removed itself from the truths of Jesus? I want a heart to love people who can speak, and we can speak truth. The Holy Spirit came so we can have boldness to step into the counterculture movement of the kingdom of God. So if you were given an audience, what would you tell people about Jesus? When, when we speak, sorry, when we speak to people, each message will be different for each person. You're right. Somebody said, what I would want to say is uncomfortable. Somebody else said, I would tell my experience what happened to me and how I fell on my face time and time again and that God picked me up and started molding me when I began to surrender more and more of my life. Thank you. Stephen had the boldness. But then, the Bible verse says, they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Stephen did nothing wrong. The outcome wasn't what we would say is successful. But they stopped their ears at him. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gives all Christians the boldness in the face of persecution. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. Our text shows us in real time the Holy Spirit doesn't value the rules of our society. So let me conclude. The early mission of the church, and to be honest, the early mission of Pentecostals, 1913, people would come, they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. They would quit their job, go to China, start speaking in tongues and lead people to Jesus, and they don't even know the language. Okay, that stuff's real. People would, would come to a church service, get filled with the Holy Spirit. They would, they would know who they were in Christ. They would walk back into their workhouse. They would tell everybody of the power of God that's transformed their life. People would then come to the next service, and revivals and tents started happening because people are actually on a mission saying life is going to be altered from what it was to what it is. The early mission of the church had a different vision. Do we like our status quo so much that we won't change, or will we submit to the mission that God has for us? Stephen didn't follow the social rules, and we see how, when we get back to the text, that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone just wrote, I know God's capable of these things, but I often don't think it, or I often think it doesn't happen here, or it doesn't happen to me. How do we combat this? Just constant pursuit? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God knows what he's doing. His mission that was given to him by the Holy Spirit was more important than the consequences of breaking the rules. And for us, for us, we combat it by allowing, we combat the fact it doesn't happen. This is a great question. We combat the fact that it doesn't happen by simply saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you even if it makes me look like a fool. I'll be a fool for you no matter what the cost. Are you willing to be a fool for Jesus and go make some mistakes filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me pray. 
Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, Lord, how I need you. But it's not so that I can feel comfortable. It's so that Promise Church can actually be a place that invokes change and inspires transformation by the work of your Holy Spirit. I believe in a church that will see people's lives radically altered from being their own God, making a mess of it, and moving into a place where they submit to you so that the testimony that one person from our church wrote, that that they fell on their face again and again and again, but then God picked him up and moved him on and molded him. God, I believe that you are still doing work today in transforming lives. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit so that we would have the boldness to speak your truth in the exact way it's needed at that moment. God, I pray that you would light our tongues on fire, that they would speak to the truth and speak truth to lies that are destroying our culture. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit so that we would be bold and confident to know that what you are saying, what you are leading us in, is a better solution than anything the world has to offer. And Jesus, I pray, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit even when it makes us uncomfortable.